Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I think my favorite Elvis song is A Little Less Conversation. I'm Richard, and, well, you guys know I like covers, so my favorite Elvis song is Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh, covers are great, but my name is Eric, and, meh, Elvis, I'm not really familiar with Elvis songs. You know Elvis songs. Everybody knows Elvis songs. I'm pretty sure... Ask any of your uh, online assistants. They don't bring it up. I think what we just discovered is that robots don't know Elvis. Or they're against Elvis, and all the Elvis impersonators are actually saving us from the robot uprising. Well, we'll see in a little bit. Besides Elvis, what are we going to use to fill these plot holes? Pictures of Mike Tyson and some guy's wife? I mean, we can. That's a lot. That's going to be a lot of those. I don't know. You can just print them off though, right? And Photoshop them. It can be anyone's wife. See, but they couldn't Photoshop in this movie. (laughs) Not yet. No, they just used primitive Photoshopping, which involved a lot more photo work. Or scissors. And glue sticks and whatnot. What about $62,000? $65,000. How about astronomical odds? How about skydiving Elvises? So we did have Elvis impersonators to fill it with. Because we are talking about Honeymoon in Vegas. Or is it Honeymoon in Las Vegas? Honeymoon in Vegas, yep. All right. It is the next in our cage fight. Our, our year of cage. Stuck in the cage. Escaping the cage? I guess not yet, but fighting through the cage. Rage against the cage. But but Eric. Oh, no, cage the Cage elephant. against the machine. Mm-hmm. Does this movie have a plot? It does have a plot. Are you going to explain it to us? Probably not. Well, I guess. But Honeymoon in Vegas stars Nicolas Cage as Jack Singer. He, at the very beginning of the movie, is sitting by his dying mother's bed. And she asks him to keep a promise. He loves his mama. So he goes up and he's like, Mama, I'm going to keep this promise no matter what. And she says, don't get married. No one can love you like I can. So um, she's emotionally abusing him at that point. But he's like, you know what? Okay, mom, I won't get married. Cue to sometime later, uh, Nicolas Cage is working as a private investigator, hunting down cheating spouses. And, well, he happens to have a girlfriend who is a pretty pretty bang-up gal. Uh, I can't actually remember her name, but... Betsy. Oh, I was going to say Brittany, but... Britney was more of a 90s name. So this was 1992. Yes, but but she's, but it's set in she's, she's an adult. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage has a girlfriend named Betty. And she's kind of okay not getting married, like just going along for the ride. But as the movie, prog- well, I guess in the next 10 minutes, a couple months passes or is it a couple years? Some time passes. How about that? More time passes. And she's just slowly growing distant from 
Mr. Singer, because, well, she does want to get married. She wants to spend a life with him, because why on earth would you commit to anything if there's no, well, commitment? So anyways, Nicolas Cage is, he feels like he's losing her, and he decides to go go out with a big display of affection, and he says, you know what? Let's get married in Vegas, because... They could have just gone down to the courthouse, but that's not as dramatic as Las Vegas. And that's what Las Vegas is known for. Quick weddings and gambling and Elvis impersonators, which conveniently, when they do go to the to Las Vegas, there's an Elvis impersonator convention going on, I think. Anyways, there's a lot of Elvis impersonators. So they're staying in Bally's and it's the day of the, the wedding, but Nicolas Cage, he's kind of getting jittery. He's like you know what? I need to go do something. At the same time, there is a, probably not a New York, New York mobster, but we're not a hundred percent sure staying at that hotel as well. He is in their VIP. He's a big high roller and he is pretty feeling pretty down. His wife had just died of skin cancer and well, wouldn't you know it? Billy looks exactly like Whatever. Betsy. <laughs> you know what? I'll just call her her actress, the actor's name, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, so Sarah Jessica Parker's character looks just like his dead wife. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to marry that gal. I thought she looked just like that NASA intern from that other movie, but it's fine. <laughs> I thought she looked like one of the Sanderson sisters. Either or. Anyway, so he decides to make her his but he happens to see her with Nicolas Cage his goon is like well how are you going to do that they look like they're married he's like no they're not married look at him and apparently you can tell that especially with the no ring on the finger that helps but so to get them separated and to put Nicolas Cage in kind of a bind this probably not a mobster invites him to a poker game and Nicolas Cage as per the movie, is pretty good at poker. And as the game goes on, he's slowly getting in more debt, but he is about, he has an amazing hand. I think he has a flush up to a jack. And that's pretty hard to beat. Unfortunately, he does get got. The probably not a mobster happens to have a flush, a, a straight flush up until up to a queen. So queen over, a queen flush, whatever. However you say that. And Nicolas Cage happens to be in debt to this mobster, $65,000. And well, they don't have that kind of money. So the mobster has an idea. You can either pay me now or let me spend a weekend with your girl. Nothing, nothing crazy is going to happen, but I just want to get to know her. Well, through that time, he then takes them out. Um, Nicolas Cage agrees to this. She, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's character reluctantly agrees to it and well, they start to have a date, but then the not mops, probably not a mobster says, you know what? Let's get out of Las Vegas. Let's go to my place in Hawaii. So they then fly to Hawaii and Nicholas Cage finds about, about that. He's get, gets upset. He chases them down. Um, but then the not, probably not a mobster proposes to Sarah Jessica Park, Sarah Jessica Parker's 
Goodness gracious, that is a mouthful. S-J-P's. Sarah. Well, that's just weird. <laughs> it's probably not even spelled right either. I think it actually is. But. <clears throat> so, he, propo- he proposes to her. And, well, they have to go fly to Las Vegas to get married. Apparently. And she is contemplating it. She's not 100%, but he does offer her a million dollars just to, to marry her. Nicholas Cage finds out about this. He goes to Hawaii. He misses the flight. Uh, the guy's goons is stopping him from stopping her. And he then, Nicholas Cage then has to make his way back to Las Vegas, flies to El Paso, Texas, can't find a flight to Las Vegas to stop the wedding, except there is one. It's in a skydiving troupe. Uh, specifically the fl- skydiving Elvises. So the big finale of the movie is Nicolas Cage in an Elvis impersonator suit jumping out of a plane. And through this crazy act of uh, spontaneous love, Sarah Jessica Parker's character decides not to marry. They're probably not a gangster. And they live happily ever after. I'm assuming they get married in Las Vegas. And we assume that the aforementioned honeymoon happens in they Vegas. They do get married. We see that in the film. I probably, I might not have been paying attention for that part. It's a rom-com. All Ugh. of the flying Elvises showed up. Oh, that is right. It's in the credits. Uh-huh. Okay. I do, I do remember that part then. One of the Elvises is crying. I remember that. Um. So yeah, that is basically the premise of Honeymoon in Vegas. All right. Now for facts. All right. So this was released in August 28th, 1992. Had a budget of $25 million, earned about $7 million in its opening weekend, and ended up grossing a little over $35 million. Okay, so not... Not the biggest success. They probably didn't cover expenses. They at least covered the production value, but not prints and ads, so... But there are some fun things in there for you. Uh... There was definitely some kind of Elvis convention going on, and Elvis is just happening all over in the background of this film. And during that date when there's like the young kid Elvis impersonator, Mm -hmm. that's a very young Bruno Mars. He's six (laughs) in this film, doing himself that. Uh, There's a couple of other fun ones for, uh, for you specifically, Eric. Jack Singer's detective agency is on the same floor of the same building of Max Bialystok. Of Max Bialystok and... um... Bialystok and Bloom? Yes, that's it. Indeed. Uh, The door to Max's office is actually shown in one scene. Uh, Jack Singer's detective agency is just down the hall and to the right of Max Bialystok from the producers. Nice. Is it the... um... The it's the 67 the, one. Okay. So it's not the uh, Nathan Lane one. Yeah. Okay. But. So uh, Gene Wilder. Is he? No, Gene Wilder's the accountant, right? Mm hmm. Okay. But I figured, you know, that would be something fun for you. That's a fun one. That's what. And I'm, possibly one of the uh, reasons for uh, Nicholas Cage does end up. Did marry Elvis's daughter? So. <laughs> Were they married at this time? They were not. I don't okay, think I they know, were married yet. I know the divorce was somewhat 
rock and not, not contestuous, but it wasn't a clean divorce. Mm-hmm. So. But, yeah. So, a couple of Elvis connections. You also get uh, some more of the various mob connections for our character who's, we're never sure whether he's not is or not. He, one of these guys, uh, Johnny Sandwich in the film, was Johnny Roast Beef in Goodfellas. <laughs> And I mean, he himself was a character played in uh, Godfather, using the same excuse that Betsy does to get away. Got to go use the bathroom. So, I mean, it's fun. There's there's some entertaining stuff in there. All right. But we also have our list of plot holes. We have plot holes. We do, uh, not off of our any of our usual suspects. They have failed us this time. <laughs> Turns out that a lot of people don't spend a whole lot of time um, analyzing Nicolas Cage films. But uh, there is a blog on Blogspot called A Year in the Cage from back in 2012 where some people went through and watched the to-date every Nicolas Cage film current for in that year and then they put a blog post about each movie and they have a couple of different ratings for it i'm just i'm i'm admiring our fellow travelers in this uh (laughs) film voyage and like i i do appreciate some of the things that they rated on um they they put down the amount of cage time in there oh uh, the cage kills, cage flipouts. Two in here. Uh, they put it down as six. I guess at at the airport. At the airport, the when when he loses the the poker game, and when he's talking to her, I assume that's the, those say, are the uh, maybe when he's talking to, to the Carmen, cab dr- the cab driver. Yeah, at on the beach when she doesn't hear him. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so yeah, quite a few cage yep. cage outs. They put down the movie quotability, the various plot holes, which is relevant for us. And we thank you for your sacrifice. You actually listed them too. It is not just oh, there's plot holes. You gave us a list. You are an honorable writer. <laughs> and then they have whether or not it's cageomatic or cinematic, <laughs> and individual ratings. You can get both. So. But we appreciate that they have given us plot holes, and so plot holes we shall use. Plot hole number one is that in the rigged poker game, we have uh, an Elvis impersonator who gets tapped out before Nicolas Cage's character, but yet is back later, despite having run out of money. So in that scene, Nicolas Cage's character was given a line of credit. Could that character also have taken the credit as well? Just because they explain the credit before he taps out. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'll be out this round, but oh, sorry, baby. I'm not going to be in this round and I'll try the next one. How about that? I'm assuming that because that guy taps out and then Nicholas Cage is going to tap out. Mm-hmm. And since we know the game is rigged, that guy is part of the rigging. Ooh. That's what I would assume. And so him being tapped out 
and then accepting the credit is kind of to enforces Nicolas Cage to take the credit. Yes. Encourage him as well. Because, oh, this other guy's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Because in, in that scene, um, the probably not a gangster explains, listen, it's just coming out of the hotel hotel stuff. So, you know, whatever. It's it's not like it's his money when it actually was his money. But yeah. But yeah, no, I'd say it's part of rigging the game. And why he's back is because he was used to pull Jack back in. Mm-hmm. To prime that idea of, oh, I can keep calling in credit if I need to keep pushing this bet, which will be important later. Because he was getting okay-ish hands. Not great hands, but he was winning and losing at the... Like, he Mm. had to build up $65,000 worth of credit, so... Well... Do you remember how much last hand was the... Oh, that, that's the one where he ended up 65000 But was it including the th- first 1000 It would have to have been additional. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because then it was 2000 So an- another 2000 so that's 3000 right there. Then well, then did it jump up to the 65 th- yeah. or 62000 It went in he, like, because he ended up pulling, like, in the scene, I think it was like 20000 for his last raise mm-hmm. by itself. In one round of betting. And we only see a couple of rounds and he pulls in at least half of that. And they would have already had to uh, ditch any cards that they didn't want. So we're halfway through the hand by the time we come into the scene. And given my theory on how the rigging is done, he would not have had to trash anything. So he's been holding on to that and being really heavily aggressive with his bets the entire time. Okay. So <laughs> the next plot hole listed is uh, afterwards when uh, Betsy and Jack are having the argument over whether or not this is going to happen. They end up ringside at a boxing match in Vegas. And given that we have seen a couple of things where we've had a different show like oceans 11, where there's a boxing match in Vegas, it's a thing that people buy tickets to. And if you're $65,000 and in the middle of having an argument with your uh, soon-to-be wife, you don't accidentally end up ringside at a boxing match. See, my thought here is that it was a part of the package with the room. They have a fairly nice suite. They do. So I'm assuming that they that the suite included a pair of tickets to the boxing match and that's yeah i i think that's so too because he because he says he got the room through one of his connections that's one of his gambling buddies yeah and i'm going to assume like i think it was the bookie and so the bookie had a couple of tickets to the boxing match yeah i can see that Do, were they wearing like head protective equipment do you happen to remember in the I, boxing match? Yeah. Like in I'm the ring? Yeah. I'm wondering if it was like actually a training match. That if they, is an excellent question. Because I thought they were wearing the protective gear, which you normally wear when you're training so you don't get too hurt. But not during the actual game. Yeah. That might also explain why there were less people in general mm-hmm. in the seats. Because mm-hmm. maybe it's just a, okay, this is some schmucks or whatever. It's not the big ringside or, I mean, we can always pull up the video. But for right now, I'm thinking, I think they were wearing the protective gear. Okay. The only, like, I without pulling up the show itself, I can see there's, 
coach. It yeah, I'm not seeing it without actually going to the film. We can take an aside right here, and I could look it up, but load up the server. I have it right here. All right, so reviewing the footage, we did a play-by-play, and and the guys in the ring have protective gear, which means so it could be a practice match, which might be a little more. Oh, people can just come through. Mm-hmm. So. Either it's part of the package deal that they got with the room, or it's a practice match. And it, the, there's not a lot. There's not a big crowd there, anyways. There's I think normal people just right up at the ropes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's amateur hour. So it's probably just in one of the. I don't know if a Bailey's has a like they have shops, obviously, but it's not like the forum shops that you can just connect multiple casinos. Because I think Bailey's was t- torn down as well. In the late 90s. There was a fire there. Was it a fire at the boxing ring? Because they let anybody know. walk past it? <laughs> Maybe. Um, besides the point. So yeah, it could just be... It was in one of the shops. Is like, hey, check out these boxers. We have other boxing things. Yeah, there's the big game that's going to be happening this weekend. But... You're in town for boxing. Here's here's amateur startups uh, practicing mm-hmm. the local boxing uh, guild. I mean, I'd assume that would be in a gym, but <coughs> Bailey's is not on the strip, is it? I don't, I think don't it know. Is. I don't think it. I think it's off Fremont Street. I am not an expert in a. <laughs> okay, not that that's super important to the plot or anything. Yeah, I'm just curious. It kind of is relevant later. Okay, so it is on. So it's no longer called Bailey's anymore. It is now Horseshoe Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is on Flamingo Road, just off of uh, South or just off of Las Vegas Boulevard, which is the Strip. Closer it's, to Fremont, though. Fremont's the opposite direction. Oh, okay. Uh huh. It's by Excalibur and New York, see, New York. That I do have the numbers for. <laughs> it's close to Flamingo. Um, okay, this street that goes up and down. That's the strip it's just off of a corner okay so it's close to the strip not technically on the strip all right all right but yeah so package deal and or amateur hour i think we have this beat (laughs) ring the bell the pun has been made all right so speaking of its location in vegas one of the plot holes listed is nick cage managed to run from Bally's to Fremont Street in just a couple of seconds, despite Bally's being 4.2 miles away from Fremont. I mean, Fremont was pretty dangerous, man. You got to run. You got to get out of there. Um, now, is this actually ran in a couple seconds or is this edited can... to just a few seconds? Because this, this is when he's trying to catch her going into the cab on the way to Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. Is when we're or were they on the it? way to the airport? Yeah, they're on yeah, their way, on to, the the way to the airport. The airport's the opposite direction. But the see, we, he runs onto Fremont yeah, Street. Yeah, we see the, the scene so, shows him running on Fremont mm-hmm. Street. Yeah, they just got into a car, right? Which is... Yep. So, probably cut this part out, but when we went, went, when we went to the mob museum... That's where Fremont Street is. Okay, so yeah, that's that's a, a fair distance. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, airport is south of the strip, 
Yeah, but he's not running to the airport. They're yeah. driving there from yeah. where they are. So he's just got to catch to them. Um, <sighs> See, that's my thought is editing here. They're not going to show him running the full like four miles. Now, my but other he is question- extremely sweaty when he gets there, right? Okay, so here's my question. Do we? Do you guys know what time of year this is set? She's in school, so she has. So I'm assuming it's not summertime. Unless it is summertime. If it's summertime, he's dead. He's not running in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's like 130 degrees. It was after dark. Okay. Okay. It's 90 degrees in Las Vegas. All right. See, I'm just assuming it's summer because she's not worried about being gone for multiple days. They've got a substitute. It's like a day, maybe two. And this was planned to, like, it was just going to be for the weekend thing. Yeah, but later when she's in Hawaii going for the additional oh, yeah. till days, Wednesday. till Wednesday, she's more able to do that. So it has to be either during uh, a, break or- a break or during summer. So maybe it's spring break i mean if i was uh trying to set up my uh elvis impersonation thing and have an elvis uh jumping out of airplane show it'd probably be around like when there's going to be more people when more people are available because summer in las vegas is the off season so there's not gonna be i mean there's gonna be people there but it's not as many people there you just have the hardcore gambling addicts so i mean so yeah maybe it is spring during during the spring school break Okay. okay But are we just going to go with editing then as to why he, why he makes it there? I mean, editing's a cheap answer though. So somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. He that rode is a cheaper, on, da- that is a cheaper answer. <laughs> Palpatine returned and he rode on Palpatine's back. Giddy up, Sheevy. And I think, I think we're dig- we're digging real hard. And Palpatine has access to dark side powers that some would call unnatural. <laughs> I was just gonna say that Johnny Depp doesn't know how far away the strip in uh, Fremont Street is. And if Johnny well, Depp's telling the story, I mean, I don't think Johnny Depp actually ever talks about uh, Nicolas Cage. Were they in the same? Who? So Johnny Depp was in Twenty One Jump Street. Who played opposite him? Was it Nicolas Cage in the TV series? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, have Johnny Depp and Nicolas Cage been in the same movie? That is a question I cannot answer. I don't think so. I can't think of anything where they... It would be something early 80s when they were both kind of no-names. I don't think they could get away with it now. Or it's one of those celebrity ensemble movies that Hollywood just loves to gush over. Like, uh, off the top of my head, I was going to say Murder on the Orient Express, the new one. Well, they were friends before. Johnny Depp was a musician while Cage was making his big screen debut. And Nicolas Cage encouraged Johnny Depp to get into acting. See, I just don't think that uh, Johnny Depp would include Nicolas Cage in any of the stories. Maybe he needs a crazy element. He's in the crazy element in his stories. Maybe it's like the red shirts in Star Trek. When one of them dies, you know, it's really bad. When Johnny Depp includes a Nicolas Cage, it's when you know it's really crazy. Um, 
I think that he's just so like, cause he's a private detective, right? Mm -hmm. So he's had to like tell people and doesn't always have like a taxi on hand. So he's good at cutting through the alleys. Yeah. He knows, he knows how to run quick. I'm going to assume that fast enough to follow a car. Here we go. I'm going to say, if we're going to go with that kind of thing, he is familiar with Las Vegas because he has followed cheating husbands here. He knows Las Vegas and the Las Vegas back streets. And he knows about the secret Las Vegas super tunnel. And he just knows all the alleyways to cut through to get to the next block. You just cut through the casinos. They're all connected. That's true. It's true. And uh, since a casino was built to destroy your sense of time. In fact, this film is longer than you think it is. I'm just saying that he can go like through blocks and around like through parking lots and parking structures and He's dealing with Las Vegas spring break traffic, and so the car is traveling slower than you think it is. Ah. Okay, here's another. This is going to be in a little crazy, a little bit weird. So, a little bit out there. So, we all know time is money. Okay. So, Las Vegas casinos have a ton of money. I'm just wondering if that means there's a lot of time condensed into one area. If there's too much time, does it start warping the time space? See, see now you got to stop talking, Eric, because now, now the FBI is going to be after you for figuring out that uh, there, there's time manipulation in Vegas. So I mean, maybe time is relative, man. <laughs> he finds he finds the time, but he doesn't have any money. But the casino- that's why he has no time. <laughs> I'm still going to go with he's the private detective and can cut through stuff. <laughs> Okay, if you remember, want inter- internally consistent with our film. It's true. There <laughs> is this, no time like, travel if this in was, the film. If this was next, I would give it to you. <laughs> I mean, we've thrown some crazy stuff in other movies. We can do it here, too. <laughs> we just got to throw stuff at the fan and see what sticks. I'm just going to argue for a slightly more level-headed <laughs> one on this one, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, listen, I, don't, I may not have my quantum PhD ever, but math works out. Probably. I mean, I was at Vegas once, and we walked through some <laughs> casinos, and I at no point could tell you where we were. It's true. I imagine if I did know where I was, I could get places quickly. <laughs> exactly. So if you knew where you were going and knew where you were going, it would be easier to get there. Okay, we'll go with the boring answer. I think it's I think it's a better answer than editing, and it yeah. still requires him to be like a top level athlete because mm-hmm. it's just the physical distance mm-hmm. covered. Because yeah, four miles, Ooh. especially in Vegas, just like heat in general. Yep, even at night, it's still warm. And I'm, oh, I guess they do comment on it in the in the movie. Like it could be 150 degrees, but they'll tell you it's a dry heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, that is much better than a wet heat. That means that he can, you know, cool down from sweating. And humans are very efficient runners because they sweat. So yeah. there you go. There we there we have it. The private eye running through a known passage because previously he tracked a um, philandering spouse spouse in Vegas. Okay. There we go. Our next one, Betsy is able to look up the odds of losing with a losing with a straight flush an hour or two after it happens in 1992. 
See, before Wikipedia, before Google, before Ask Jeeves. Before smartphones. I mean... See, I'm going to assume here, we have two factors we know about her. One, she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't think she's a specific subject teacher either. She is a elementary school teacher. Yep. So, she's she's had some general ed. At the very least, I assume that she's taken statistics. And B, I think looking up the chances of a, any given hand is something that's easy to find out in Vegas. Like, the, maybe an information kiosk or... Or the people who literally run odds, like, as a living. Yeah, like, like if you wanted to look walk around... You just have to go down to the information or whatever, like, hey, quick question. Yeah, what are the odds? And that actually slides you, like, a card mm-hmm. that gives you the ranking of the hands, mm-hmm. and also, like, the, <laughs> the chance. And so then she can just run the numbers herself. Mm-hmm. She probably has a calculator. See, and I, I would go with the that one there, is that she's at a casino... And they do list the odds of specific hands for a couple of reasons. People bet on games, so you want to be able to bet on that kind of thing. And for people who go into games to know what your odds are with your hand. So the odds of hands are going to be available. And while they they list Wikipedia as their source of information, there were... <laughs> internet search engines at this point not super famous ones that people are really familiar with but there were a couple that would have been available for both the virtual library and gopher were up and running at this point were there usenet groups in this uh usenet is kind of like a just fyi for the listeners usenet was kind of like an internet forum because before internet forums came out it was like a group a place where groups go and they just had all sorts of groups i bet you could go to a gambling one or a mathematics one well and that would be like if you hit up uh the virtual library Mm -hmm. it's a loose confederation of topical experts Mm -hmm. and so if they had one about the statistics in vegas then she could go there and look up, look these things up. Do you happen? So they're in a suite. Do suites come with concierge service? I would I assume so. His did, because it's one of the nicer ones. But I'm pretty sure that'd be something pretty easy. That hey, say, hey, I had a quick question. What are the odds of having two straight flushes at the exact same time in a hand? And see, here's the thing too: is the number they list is not in fact the accurate yep. number either. See, that's the thing: is she's just looking at the odds of losing with a straight flush, mm-hmm. which is different from what happened in the film. Mm-hmm. Because the odds that she needs to be looking at are the odds of having two straight flushes in the same hand, because getting like two straight flushes one after the other is already rare but having to at the same time is really really ridiculously rare uh hang on i have my in fact the comparison here is um him going in on this bet and hand is extremely reasonable because he is more likely to win the lottery 17 times than to lose this hand Mm -hmm. um so uh, just for reference, he had a straight flush Jack's high. Yeah, Jack high. So there was only two other cards that could have been higher than his 
in this game. Or two I, I, hands. I, I, two hands, I, 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 I feel meant, th- yeah. It's feel like it's three hands. Well, kings. King, queen, queen. and then a royal, which includes an ace. Okay, I, I'm mm. so bad at po- poker. The actual odds of having two straight flushes, not even royal flush, just two straight flushes that we see in the film in the same hand is 1 to 5.2 billion. And what are the odds of winning the lottery? 300 million. So you said 5.2 billion? Yeah. Okay, 5 point, And you know... I don't think people really realize how much bigger a billion is than a million. Yeah, no, like one in 300 million is 17 times more likely to happen than what we see in this film, which is why I am so certain that that whole thing is rigged. Both both Jack's hand and And his hand were, were rigged. So that way Jack had a hand that is most likely going to win. That like the odds of losing with a straight flush are absurd, and a loses to the one right above instead of having be like the the royal the royal flush versus the king flush. And so, so this is one that's extremely unlikely. He's going to throw it, but everything in he's going to if he loses though, he'll still accept that it's is a. It wasn't as rigged. It's it not- wasn't as rigged because if he had done anything else and it was the royal flush versus like a king flush, he would have been like, well, this is extremely unlikely mm-hmm. and maybe question it. But also it's never actually confirmed that it's rigged in the in the movie. But we know at least one of the people at the table is in on what he's doing because there's the, the guy with the mustache and the glasses yeah. that's in on it and part of it. And we can assume given that he has set this whole thing up specifically for this moment, because otherwise he has no guarantee to get what he wants. So I'm going to say the odds against it, plus it coinciding with what he wants, is what it's a rigged game. Yeah. And we don't really know what he did, but enough that the book... So the the probably not a mobster, but we do know the bookie knows who he is. Yeah. And so the bookie knows who he is and says, he gave you an option. Take it. So maybe in New York, wherever he was, he was fixing games or something. He knew exactly how to, I'm, we don't know this from the movie, but since the bookie knows who he is, they're obviously run in the same circles or at least. Uh, in the same orbits or whatever. But going back to the core question, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, her ability to find out the odds of losing a, losing with a straight flush is a hundred percent in the realm of possibility. When you are literally staying at a gambling establishment, yeah, like it's not something that they're gonna advertise. But if you look around, you'll get it soon enough. I suspect, like even I, if you actually go up and ask them, they would probably tell you. I think. Uh, per law, Vegas has to inform you or, of the chance. The casinos have to. I, yeah, know. that's that's true. So she just has to walk up, and there's the big information board, and it's like, "This well, is your chances of winning." It's with probably this. just behind the information counter. Yeah. Like, hey, yep. I had a quick question. What are the odds on this? Like, oh yeah, let's just figure that out. Do do do. do. Okay, we have our finance. We have a calculator right here, and oh yeah, here we here you go. Here's the odds. All right, what's what's up next? 
All right. And then the last one that I don't feel is a plot hole, but it's on their list, so I will include it for completeness. Uh, Mr. Corman actually wants to marry marry Betsy rather than just score. Instead of a one-night stand thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I th- maybe he like he is established as a family man, and he does he do- is listed as actually liking his wife. Mm-hmm. I feel like he wants he he misses the wife. He misses having the companionship as an extended thing. That's mm-hmm. what's really bothering him is having gone through the you know his wife's death. Mm-hmm. So he's had so far a couple of months of like just this experience. And now he's like, there's things I miss. I want this again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not really a plot hole. Yep. So I'm just like, he wants someone to replace the wife he lost. And the easiest way, like it's not, it's not about Jack at all. It's about, he's found someone who looks like his wife and thinks he knows a way to get her. All right, so that's all our plot holes? That's the list. All right, well, those are all solved. Yay! We're heroes. All right, I guess we better talk about the movie then. Um, have you guys seen this movie before? No. I don't recall seeing it, but it's if it was like on TV, I 100%, if I had seen it before, just playing on TV, would not remember it. Mm-hmm. It's my first time watching it, but I, I don't go out of my way not to watch rom-coms, but rom-coms are definitely not in my they're not in your primary selection screen see and all like for most movies same like there's obviously some rom-coms that are fun to watch and i will watch them but not all the time but i'm not going to go out just because it's a Nicolas cage movie and it's a rom-com movie yeah see i don't feel like there's anything special about this movie like, there's nothing outstanding in any category. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no major failures. There's no major successes. Like, mm-hmm. it's very paint-by-numbers. Mm-hmm. Even with the comedy. Though, like, maybe they could have pushed it more because I, they do start with the the mom dying on the bed there right mm-hmm. after he promises. Uh-huh. And it is supposed to be a comedic death, and it is kind of just out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... But was is was that comedy for the time though? Uh, yes, because it's com- comedy. Obviously, evolves throughout the years or whatever. It gets pushes further and further, further <laughs> pushes further and further away from <laughs> from God's light. Yeah, <laughs> from the pure essential comedy of the Three Stooges. And then they bring the Three Stooges back, and we know that God is dead. I, I thought we already knew that from there being a go- I died and got reincarnated in Google Sheets isekai. <clears throat> I hope you're joking, Richard. He's not joking. Man. <laughs> the more you know. Well. <laughs> but so my thoughts with this film, like, are less about this film itself specifically and so much about, like, around it. Mm-hmm. Like, after watching this film, I'm like, should we make Vegas movie bingo? Ooh. Because this movie would hit all of them. It would hit all of them. And, like, I feel like every Vegas-oriented movie would 
hit all or most of them. Now, my quick question is, what would you put on the bingo card? Well, stuff like uh, Elvis, Elvis Impersonator, a gambling uh, poker game, probably. Poker game, slot machine, slot, uh, playing a slot machine. Slot machine. Uh, pool, uh, poolside. Uh, uh, yeah, poolside. Um, converse, boxing match. A boxing match. Um, I'd also include a lot of Elvis songs, like Viva Las Vegas itself, but general other ones. Um. I would almost say neon lights. Yes, yes. See, I would go, I would do specifically Fremont Street mm. and the Las Vegas sign. What else would I include for a bingo? And if you went later, you would include things like, uh, ooh, casino establishing shots. Yes, yes. Casino establishing shots. Just showing different casinos, even if we're not at any one of those, mm-hmm. but they're there. Because that, that will adapt through time. Like, because nowadays, like, anything that's next Wedding to Wedding chapel. A, a quick chapel. Quick chapel. Uh, limousine. Limousine. Mm-hmm. Uh, valet. The valet parking. Yeah. Like, like there's a lot of things that are, like, in every um, Vegas movie. And I'm like, all right. I, I was wondering about that. So that's my one thought there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have the thought. Nick Cage as a romantic lead. That's what he was known for, man. That's that's the but 90s. Why? It was the 90s, man. Like like almost all other like romantic leads, I'm like I I can see what the the like interest there maybe. But like Nick Cage just as he's cagey. I guess he just kind of had that face you had to love. Like I I feel like he's kind of got this like You can fix him look, I guess, is what they're, they're saying there. Because it's the same as he's he's the romantic lead, but later on he's also the former crook kind of guy. Right? Mm-hmm. He kind of has the thousand-yard stare all the time as yeah. well. Yeah, I don't know why, though. Maybe you just yeah, had to I'm, be I'm, there. I'm bothered because it's like I've never heard any, like, anyone's talk about why they thought he'd be as a good lead or... Like any girls who were interested in him or swooning, like where are the fangirls? I think it was more he was the rebel. He was like, he was not your Brad Pitt. He's, he's the guy. Like, okay, assume Brad Pitt. He's kind of got some preppy, uh, some dark energy. Yeah, he's like because Brad Pitt would show up in a sports car, or whatever. Nicholas Cage is showing up on a Harley and in a leather jacket and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so he, he has the dark energy. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what I, uh, obviously we were alive when this movie came out, but I wasn't like super conscious of the romantic. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not thinking about that thing at this age when it came out. Unless Nicolas Cage paid, played a Ninja Turtle. I'd be all there. (laughs) Be a very different Ninja Turtles. I mean, who knows? I mean, just off of that tangent, who's, who's their other, uh, uh, n- unusual Ninja Turtles. We got Nick Cage, Steve Buscemi, uh, Jeff Goldblum, and who's our fourth turtle? Ooh, is this where we throw in Johnny Depp? I could, I could kind of see that. Just as like, we'd have to actually work out like, okay, how uh, are they? Which turtle is Nicolas Cage? Since we're talking about this, <laughs> is he a Raphael? I think he's Raphael. Yeah, he he yeah he's a Raphael. Like. Um, 
Steve Buscemi's probably Leonardo. No, he's Donatello. He's Donatello. Um, Jeff Goldblum is Leonardo. And no, I think he'd be Michelangelo. Never mind. And then oh, it's hard to say. Now, see, now see, if we take out Johnny Depp and we put in Jack Black, Jack Black would be Mikey. Yeah. And I think we swap uh, Steve Buscemi and mm. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. As are ridiculous Ninja Turtles. <laughs> At some point, like, you know, honestly, like, if we go back, if we're going back to the movie, yeah, it's a romantic comedy. I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah, I think what's missing here is because we sl- uh, flip our core concept of our, like, why he's not married. Because mm-hmm. before he has these hangups, and it's the two places, because his... Mom told made him promise not to get married, and B he's in a business that says marriage always fails. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he wants to get married, he is an all he is all in. He might be nervous about getting married, but at no point does he like specifically throw obstacles in the way. Like he was kind of delaying it to have the game, mm-hmm. but that was just you know like calm his nerves kind yeah. of thing. It's. Listen, this is how he you calm yourself down. Like for me personally, when I'm in a stressful situation, I like to play Dark Souls or Bloodborne or whatever. Those are calming to me, even though most people would assume those video games are stressful. But that's because like, it's stress, you know. It's, it's good old stress. It's like, okay, here's a problem that I can focus on and fix. Or just overcome, because I know the problem at the time. Cause that's really what stress is, unknowns. Yeah, and I I don't feel like because once the problem shows up, the um, our mobster Carmen is trying to move on in. Like he's all in. Like mm-hmm. he he want he's afraid of getting married, but he's more afraid of losing her. Yeah, from the beginning, and so the ending makes sense for uh coming over like taking the leap out of the uh, airplane. And taking the leap to get married, there's that uh-huh. kind of connection there. But for the rest of the story, there's no like point where he says, "Well, maybe this is better for her as well if this works out." Like maybe I should be letting her go so she can get married. Like there's no point of that for him to where he questions himself and overcomes that. And so, like I feel like that would have made the movie better, as if he had to actively decide. That to go against this chance and fight off the possibility. So would you have that as like a more established first day of him alone in Vegas? Yes. Of him kind of going through the downswing and then making the decision to chase her? Yeah. I would almost put it, I would probably put it more towards the end. Like maybe he's in Hawaii or whatever and he just can't make the flight to Las Vegas. He has to have that, well, did I just lose? Yeah, like like maybe a choice is to where it's literally he can, the, the they say, well, we have a flight back to New York. Uh-huh. And be like, well, I could just go home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think having him uh, give up at the beginning is a little too early. 
Well, because that's Because he has to at least try for it. Well, see, that, that it would be your difference in the arc for him. Because uh-huh. if he's having this crisis of conscience at the beginning, it's the, okay, she's just going to go, she's going to have this time, mm-hmm. and everything's going to be fine. And he see like, and then he sees her on the news with a volcano, and then starts his downswing on. Maybe this is what she wants. Maybe this is going to work out for her. And you have him nosedive headfirst in Vegas mm-hmm. until he makes the decision. Oh, so no! Like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm getting on an airplane right now. So maybe he gets like drunk, like really drunk in a bar or something, and it's like having a little pity party yeah and see also with this one it adds in the possibility for the skydiving to where the pilot's all like man if you don't want to make the jump you know i'll, I'll come land just and, ride back with me buddy and she says no and jumps out see now it's this very now it's obvious choice mm-hmm. also my next thought about this movie this movie plot literally could not be made today well, of course not for the simple fact of cell phones. Uh-huh. There are plot limitations in this movie based off of inability to communicate with someone, as in literally you cannot get in contact with them. See, that is gone they away. would do it, but in this one, one of the guys that he leaves behind in Vegas to keep an eye on Jack would break, this, break Jack's cell phone. Like, drop it. Or just steal it. Or why does... Why does... Just steal it. Or, you know... Her her cell phone would end up on a like in a bag that goes to a connecting flight back to New York. Yeah, but see, there's this whole literal like addition you'd have to do because not being able to get in contact with someone was something that oh it was just life mm-hmm. before. Like you could call someone and they wouldn't be home. Like you'd have to leave a message. Like message machines were a huge leap in a communication, and then now it's cell phones. It's like you well, have to answer that. You can't just. Not have the other thing is contact. not being able to figure out where a well-known, established person owns a house. Yeah. The internet says you can just look up tax records. These these conflicts and limitations, they're just melting away with the convenience of life. Can't do stories anymore. Life's too easy. <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to figure out a way to get rid of the cell phones. It's, it's what horror movies have to do a lot. Or a lot of thrillers. If only there was an apocalypse so technology stopped working, then all of these would be so much easier to do. <laughs> like with horror movies, like having, like if that happens in a remote area, mm. there's poor cell phone coverage there yeah. anyway. So that, that to, works together. That's a way to write it out. But it, a lot of modern horror movies have to write out the cell phone. Or just set themselves in the past. Uh-huh. Which it, besides for the nostalgia just adds in. I mean... <laughs> Or it, I don't know, it becomes a tool or whatever. Like you need your flashlight on the phone, or your phone doesn't work, but I mean it's still a flashlight. So it's not like they have to write it out completely, but the core concept of a cell phone cannot work in horror movies. And now this, and I mean, going back to this movie, it probably couldn't work today because, well, women aren't property. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Also, like that, but. To be honest, before he agrees, like, he does talk to her about yeah. it, and, like, he dismisses it out of hand. Uh-huh. And it's like, but she he made this offer, <laughs> and so she agrees to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, and it's, 
Like that is the kind of the point at the very end is that he just outright tries to buy her mm-hmm. as his last desperate thing to really cement what kind of person he is. Yeah, where we're kind of on the fence to is he all really that bad? But they're always hinting other than that he's like straight lying to her about how the yeah, event well, went like down. it's continually going down. You're like, you know, he's untrustworthy, mm. but then he really kind of just dump just jumps off the cliff of evil towards the yep. end. There, I'll just give you a million dollars if you marry me. Yeah, like when he explodes at her for like turning him down at the end. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't do this, and you're like, oh, oh, this guy is actually very dangerous. And my other thought is about Elvis. Okay. Still with us? No, just the concept of the impersonator as, like, an entire entertainment category. Like, how unique of a thing that is. I mean, there's always been impersonators. Like, I mean, yes, com- yes. Community did a whole episode about that. Yes, but, like, a singular impersonator um, doesn't, like, mean much, but, like, there's a difference between... Elvis impersonators and any other type of impersonator. Mm-hmm. Like an Elvis impersonator is like a club. Like it's this. It's like, like you have the Australian Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. but it is a single group. You don't just have a category of Pink Floyd impersonators. Mm-hmm. Like there's clubs, these, these conventions. You can like their whole thing is not just that they're Elvis impersonators, because like what about Elvis is involved in jumping out of an airplane? But Elvis impersonators jumping out of an airplane with lights on is a thing. I mean, isn't that just cosplay? But it's beyond cosplay. It's gone a level beyond cosplay. It's gone a level beyond cosplay. Like this, this is where cosplay meets a job, but it's very specifically you're hiring an Elvis impersonator, not just (laughs) hiring someone to impersonate Elvis. Like, there's this difference there, and I'm like, how did this happen? I mean, people loved Elvis, man. Like, but we, were there, I guess, ooh, I was going to say, were there any Beatles impersonators? But yes, there were, obviously, because, not but, to get into the whole Paul is dead thing, but. <laughs> I mean, from the beginning, though, I mean, if you were a Beatles impersonator, it was more like you were a Beatles-like. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, people actually dressing up like Lennon and McCarthy and Ringo and Harrison. Like, I'm like, I feel like there's this barrier. And I'm like, would this happen again? Could it happen again? Can you think of an entertainer today? You're probably not getting the Indian Paul McCartney. I said McCarthy earlier. It's McCartney. Anyway, sorry about that. Correction. Too many Mick Carts from Mm. that time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you're probably not going to have the Asian linen either. Sorry, that's Yoko Ono. Never mind. We don't talk about her. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, she married John Lennon, so she's the Asian linen. Uh, I, as I, I explain the joke, you know, that makes it funnier. And like, like even with Elvis, you can have like different eras of Elvis impersonators. Skinny Elvis, blue Elvis. So the one thing I think we could get would be David Bowie. I think David Bowie could compete. Are, are there Bowie uh, impersonators? Are there star children? Is that? <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of tribute bands. And David Bowie impersonator performers. Yes, there are websites for David Bowie impersonators. 
I still don't know if it's the same kind of category. It is not. Because could, okay, we could probably have Ellen John. But we have, but I, like, I think if you want somebody that could even possibly compete, it's going to be someone like David Bowie. Mm. Because you need iconic looks, because you have the king outfit, which go, you look at and go, oh, that's that's an Elvis impersonator. Mm-hmm. Or and it- things you can do that you will you will be able to impersonate, like the mannerisms and whatnot. I mean, Elvis had such a brand. Hmm. I I think is is the biggest thing. He's a very particular brand. Okay, well, the question is and now... see, the thing I think is we also come from a different era of entertainment. That's also true. Because when Elvis became a thing, you, if you wanted to be in on Elvis, you could just... You had to go and watch a show. You had to go and get a record. You had to do things to do it. You want to see an entertainer now? Go hit up YouTube. Find their net, their comedy special on Netflix. It's not hard to get their stuff. And so the appeal of going, well, I can't go and see Elvis, but there's an Elvis impersonator that I could go and see. And like at the time there were impersonator competitions for celebrities. Like there were Charlie Chaplin impersonator competitions. Elvis, like Elvis impressions were the extension of those. And but they they held on and became so attached to Vegas that like we put it in our bingo thing. It's part of a cultural zeitgeist at this point. So so the real thing with Elvis is he was the last great gasp of the impersonator industry. I, I'm gonna dis. I think up until the 70s you could have the impersonator seer. Uh, but isn't that uh, when he died? I thought he died in the 60s. Because I'm thinking like, okay, David Bowie, he was 70s. You could probably do Elton John as well. 70s. Um, maybe early 80s. Was it, was it the A-track tapes that killed impersonators? Um, I just think Death of the Superstar. Like the, the yeah, radio but there's still radio star. superstars. Death of the Radio Star. Death, death of perhaps the performance star or still live performances. I mean, they did make a song called video killed the radio star. Cause that, that was the first stage was where, uh, the fact that you could record and repeat music started to kill off musician as a, as the touring, as a touring career. Mm-hmm. Like, cause now you don't have to go to the show in New York, you can just listen to it and the radio helps broadcast that. Uh-huh. And so you need less and less musicians. And so we start to get the, uh, I'm going to change my time frame though. Cause I just thought there's a lot of people who impersonate, I guess it's more parody, but like the ahas and, or the people who sing, is it the aha or is that just the name of this band or the song? Uh, take on me. And, it's take it's on more, me is by aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say, uh, oh shoot, Glenn, I can't remember what that new wave music. I think new wave is the last impersonators, um, <laughs> the last wave. The new wave is the last wave of potential impersonators because a lot of people are doing like Duran Duran, 
um, the Ahas, um, Devo. Also, maybe the Elvis thing was fueled too by the uh, the conspiracy theory slash mm-hmm. is he really dead? I could, yeah, that I could see that. Um, it's just fun to have an Elvis around, your own personal Elvis. <laughs> That's a song parody. Own personal Elvis. <laughs> all right, but yeah, so those were all my thoughts. Like this movie itself isn't okay. Well, before I have a question for you, do you think a modern superstar uh, in our so concurrent like right now, do you think any of them will have eventually have impersonators like like Elvis style impersonators? Not no 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 I I no. There's not going to be any little yay yays running around Vegas. Kanye West. I think that's what. No, Yee. That's yee. his name. You know, I'm yees. I'm, I'm hip on the lingo. The, the Swifties. Yeah. Is there going to be Swifty competitions? Is there going to be an Indian Taylor Swift? I mean, that just sounds racist, Eric. <laughs> it does sound racist, but it doesn't sound racist when I say the Indian Elvis. It's the exact same thing, though. Well, like when they do it in the film, it is the Indian Elvises. Oh. <laughs> because it's all of the Elvises from India. Mm. Your tour group is going to the Grand Canyon. I think what we've learned is anyone can be an Elvis if they want to. Except AI. <laughs> so it's like, in which case, the one thing you can get would be Spider-Man because they have the whole advertising anyone can wear the mask. Yeah, yeah. But Spider-Man is a fictional character. I'm just thinking about it, John. I think AI is going to be the ultimate Elvis impersonator eventually. No, with deep fakes. I and haven't whatnot. got looked up to like Mid Journey, but I'm pretty sure if I ask it to do Elvis, there won't there'll be too many fingers or not enough. That's how I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, back to the movie and caginess. Mm. Um, our cage character name is Jack Singer, and thinking about this, we decided to include the nicknames ranking so so far for our uh this year we have um knowing or next yeah and that was uh chris johnson and frank cadillac and frank cadillac so chris johnson is a very low ranking name but frank cadillac is a number one name that is that's, that's top tier that is an a tier name <laughs> and then also an a tier but not as a i think jack singer qualifies for uh a okay. honeymoon in Vegas. The fact that they had the pun that he dressed up as an Eld- uh, Elvis and his name is Singer. Yeah. So I think that pushes over the top for me. Uh, Memphis Reigns is ridiculous and funny. So that's uh, uh, still A tier. Okay. I, I I think I would put that lower, though. But lower than Jack Singer? Yeah. I'd probably put it third I place. prefer it over Jack Singer because of how just outlandish the name is. <laughs> it fits the Nick Cage personality more for me. All right. So, yeah, I, I think Chris Johnson is a C tier name. It's just a name. I, I can't remember it most of the time. I keep calling. Well, if I have to talk about Nicolas Cage in next. Oh, yeah. Frank Castle. Cadillac. Oh, Cadillac. Sorry. Frank Castle is a different thing. Um, that's I think that's the Punisher. <laughs> Nick Cage could play the Punisher. Well, he played Ghost Rider. He should have been playing the Punisher. Um, but yeah, Frank Cadillac 
is the name you remember him as in um in next so now so i i want to know do we include uh national treasure because it's not part of our year in the cage but it is still part of the cage but it is a Nick Cage film. Do we need to put Benjamin Gates on here? So Benjamin Gates is definitely Benjamin a... Franklin Gates. So if we include the middle name, that goes to A tier. <laughs> Just Benjamin Gates is a B tier name. Mm. Good old Benny Gates. It's not even an action hero name though. It's too long. It sounds like Ben stuff... Gates. Mm. So Benjamin Gates is your name mm. at the beginning of the movie. When you're an everyman, but when you become an action hero, then you become Ben Gates. I think you become Benny. You become Benny Gates. Benny Gates. Benny G. Mm. But, but we Benjamin still put it... Franklin Gates. That's definitely an A tier name mm. because it is so long. Okay, so then A tier above Jack Singer, above Memphis. I'm gonna put it above Memphis. Okay. So you're going to put it below Memphis, obviously. Yep. I would probably do that too, below. It's too much of a normal name to be a, a cagey name. See, so yeah, specifically Benjamin Franklin Gates, which makes it a bit more like a little bit of ridiculous. But I, I like the Memphis Reigns. I mean, thinking about it, Memphis Reigns would be a good, like, Fighting like, game character, like from like Mortal Kombat. I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was a Yanni track. Remember Yanni? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's a Yanni track. I I didn't remember Yanni, but now I do. <laughs> Does it rain much in Memphis? I don't know. Maybe that's mid coast. It's east, closer to the east, right? Memphis, Tennessee. So yes, I would assume it rains a lot. Stop the podcast to look <laughs> up the. <laughs> The average rain. <laughs> it's supposed to rain today and tomorrow. Okay. I can I can definitely hear some soulful sacks going in the background of Memphis. So so is it more obvious to have the last name Rains and the first name be like a city if it's an area that rains a lot or doesn't rain at all? Okay, now here's the question. Like Sahara Rains? Well, see, that's the thing, though. Is Sahara Rains a good name? Here's the thing. Memphis is also a city in Egypt. Oh, which is not supposed to have rain. Okay, so, so you get the pun for both rainy place and non-rainy place. So I have a question for you, Richard. How is rains spelled? Is it rains like rains coming from the sky, or is it rains from a horse? It, it's more like it's a it's R A I N E S, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll, we'll, so it's not a proper rains. Now anyways. here's the question: Do we go with well, his just, character's well, name or the nickname? Because the nickname was Memphis Reigns. He was Randall Reigns. Randall Reigns sounds made up. Randall Randall Reigns is a more fake name than Memphis Reigns. <laughs> so there you have it. Memphis is the real character name. All right. So if you were a cowboy, you could be Dakota Reigns. In which case, <laughs> we would have to go for next character as Frank Cadillac, because he is 100% more Frank Cadillac than a Chris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yes. This movie, he should have been a Frank Cadillac. <laughs> See, do do we put uh, Frank Cadillac as a uh, private detective? Frank Cadillac is a private detective. Frank Cadillac is a private detective who would dress up as Elvis and jump out of an airplane. All right. 
I mean, that's probably just in not his, rep- even, yeah, not even that's his repertoire. <laughs> He's doing private eye stuff dressed up as Elvis because it's just so outlandish. And nobody would suspect the Elvis impersonator to be the private eye. Like if, <laughs> And he just blends in in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I think you're just describing like a a new detective TV show on NBC this fall. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Okay, so what would you call it? The a, king, a little more dedication. The King and Spy? <laughs> <laughs> It's a little too punny. <laughs> what happens in Vegas? Oh. What happens in Vegas? He knows. And maybe shorten that to just in Vegas. Because they're weird like that. It's like, okay, you can't have too long of a title. Well, see, that that's why you don't do what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's mm. just what happens in Vegas. That's a question. I don't know. And that's where you get the private eye. <laughs> I mean, because we have the only murders in the building. That's true. Like, you can do longer. Mm-hmm. I just know, like, a lot of... Like, maybe I'm thinking, like, more early 2010s or whatever, where it's just, like, a single word. So the full title would be uh, What Happens in Vegas, but all the advertisements would just be, like, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And maybe it has, like, a bloody well, then you can get or something. The W-H-I-V for the acronym. Mm-hmm. But there we have it. <laughs> So anything else about this movie? Uh, yeah, we have, I don't think we asked you, Richard. What, what did you think of this movie? Would you watch it again? Like, I'm not going to seek it out. It's the, do I have other options? Okay, you're stuck on... Let's go to our classic, you're stuck All on right, a plane, it's on, the only thing. If I'm on an airplane and it's the only thing, cool, I've got a podcast. So, so you'd like listen to a podcast over watching it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even think I'd put it on in the background. It's yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of there too. See, I saw it. It was, it was a movie that I watched. Like it's not boring, but it's not stimulating. And admittedly this one, I didn't, we didn't actually get to watch this one at the same time with each other. And I probably would have had more fun watching it with someone but I think more it would have been able to converse about what the mo- what's going on in the movie versus actual enjoyment of the film. Mm-hmm. I feel it has too much restrained cage. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he had his cage outs, but but, but it's these not, uh, it's not Wicker Man. Yeah, these kind of cage outs are sort of like well, this is you'd early. expect other mm-hmm. like actors to have similar responses. In, in these situations. The closest thing we get is when like Sarah Jessica Parker is screaming at him at the, during the boxing match too. And she is not at the same level of freak out as he is. Yeah. Like the expressions on his face. But yeah. So there we go. Um, Honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah. It, if you haven't seen it, Okay. Three out of five cages. I didn't hate it, but it's like, I'm not going to watch it yeah, again. It's the, like, I'd say it's a three out of five because it's the, it's not a, it's not two out of five. 
And I don't know whether or not we're willing to give things a half a cage. Because okay. it's the... Should we, should we set a floor to that, to the cages? Like, uh, like Wicker Man. Can it go negative cages? Yes, I think it can. Now, is Wicker Man... A one out of five cages or a five out of five cages? I mean, that's where Nicolas Cage is a whole, uh, c- complex actor. Is it good? Is Well, no, it's not good. I know Wicker Man is not good. I've seen it, and I immediately but it, sold it But it, it, it left an day. impression upon you. You, Look, have, you have never been able to escape the Wicker Man. I mean, for the memes alone, you got not the bees. Yeah. See, that's that's the, the problem we have here, is it's a perfectly serviceable movie, and nothing more. But nothing less. Yeah, so average, whatever the average is. Yeah, That's I'm why like, I'm like, uh, that's why I give it a three, because it's okay. It's like, two would be something I'm on the more, I kind of dislike this film, and three is where... It was all right, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go and search it again. Okay. But you know what we need to do? Thank our patrons. Oh, that's a much better than pay someone $60,000, $65,000. Or, or I'm just saying, look, this is the second time they've, uh, they've paid me to do math about Vegas statistics. So I like, I'm in. Yeah. But thank you. Patrons. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do and all the, all the support you give. You know, we really appreciate it. But if you liked the episode, leave a like on Facebook and maybe a comment. What legion of impersonators do you think could exist? What's our celebrity? Or in 200, 280 characters or less, unless you pay, let us know on X at PlotSpacklePod. Same question. Which legion comes out to worship their false idol? Is it Swifties? Is it the Yeegees? I think. I am hip on the lingo. It's the Beavers. Oh, I forgot about Beatlemania. I mean, that is a serious problem with the uh, Western Elm in the U.S. So Beatles, Beatles destroyed the logging industry. Or, you know. If you want to join me and find out which era of David Bowie should reign supreme over the rest, and you've already written yourself a fanfic about the death match, send it to me. Plotspacklepodcast.gmail.com. I'm invested. I think Starman takes it. Over the Goblin King? But is that a... That's David Bowie as an actor. Are we talking about David Bowie as the musician? We are talking about David Bowie. Which David Bowie reigns supreme? We've got Ziggy Stardust. We've got the Thin White Duke. We've got uh, we've got the Goblin King. You can go post Berlin if you want. I guess we have Nicholas Tesla as well. I think he'd kill everyone. He has a death ray, dude. So, I don't think he actually had a death ray. He said he did. And would Nicholas Tesla lie? He also had a girlfriend in Canada. No, he had a girlfriend with a pigeon. <laughs>